1: And welcome to Radio Drummer Revival, the show dedicated to stories told the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Hear, hear news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And it is Christmas Day 2014, when this show was originally podcast. I hope you are enjoying your holiday, whether you are celebrating the Christian holiday or uh, something else. Uh, This is indeed a Christmas show. We're not uh bias towards christmas uh, necessarily but that's the uh the types of shows that we hear that are holiday in bent are tend to be christmas programming and uh, there is a history of that going back to the golden age of radio um so much of this season is inundated by television programming um and most many of those television programs uh, go back to radio days um as we heard Uh, last week, or was it two weeks ago, when we played It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, That was a Lux radio theater uh, piece that accompanied the uh, original release of the Hollywood uh, classic film. Uh, That was very common in those days to have a uh, sort of abridged radio version of something that was uh, hot in Hollywood. Um, And you know, be kind of a cool tradition to revive today, but I'm not in charge of those kinds of decisions. But, uh, so that being said, that's the context. Uh, we hear lots of, uh, Christmas tales, uh, make it to audio format. And that's what we're, uh, playing here for you on Radio Drum Revival. Uh, today we have a new adaptation of A Christmas Carol by David Farquhar's, uh, Voices in the Wind Theater, uh, out of Canada. Uh, David has done Uh, Numerous other shows, uh, both original work and classics, uh, such as Chris's Carol as well as Alice in Wonderland, did a wonderful version uh, with Barbara Rosenblatt and a full cast last year, um, and some others. He also is a steward of new contemporary audio theater. He has uh, this Moonlight Audio Theater app, which uh, is is Radio Drama Revival-esque in that you can uh, find a sampling of Other audio programming, um, different artists. Um, It's it's more it's app driven, so it's not a uh, podcast format. Though he does actually have a podcast too, uh, but you download the app or pay for the premium version. Um, Premium version gets you more shows, but even with the free version, there's plenty of stuff you can listen to. My work's on there. Wilders Theater Company, uh, David's own work, including this show you can hear today. Uh, The Edict Zero is on there. uh, Mark Time. Uh, Great Northern Audio Theaters on there, many others um, at the Moonlight Audio Theatre app um, for the app experience. Uh, we do also have a Radio Drama Revival app, uh, which gives you access to this show in both the podcast format, but also the archives uh, by genre category. So if you ever found the idea of going through our 400 shows <laughs> this is the 400th episode if you went if the idea of going through 400 shows uh in linear order was uh overwhelming you can now do so by genres on our app so uh lots of programming options for you out there that is the big gift uh regardless of what you celebrate uh for a holiday uh celebrate audio theater and uh that is my story we're gonna go to, into a christmas carol. i don't think this show needs hardly an introduction though i will say uh, I was just you know briefly looked at like uh, uh downpour.com where this show will soon appear uh David and Other Voices on the Wind uh shows will get up on blackstone's downpour.com uh over 40 renditions of the Christmas carol out there um including two other interesting audio theater versions um we heard part of Shane Sock's piece last year Shane had uh was one of the original starters of we We're Alive but left that project and and went on to do Uh, This other piece, uh, we also, the curiously titled Macabre Mentions, A Christmas Carol, which has a rather uh, dark and dismal-looking cover, but appears to be a regular adaptation of A Christmas Carol. So uh, plenty of other choices, too, even amongst this original title. And uh, Craig Wickman of Quicksilver Radio Theater, who themselves did an adaptation of A Christmas Carol, uh, did Standing at the Spirit by Your Elbow. If I got that right, sorry, Craig, if I did not. Um, This is a title now on Amazon and other places that is actually a historic uh, text, Uh, scholarly text on the history of A Christmas Carol as adapted into audio theater and that is uh, quite interesting for the radio scholars out there so a lot of history and tradition in this story and of course it's one that's also uh, done in countless theaters across the United States this time of year here's your audio version A Christmas Carol enjoy
2: Voices in the Wind Audio Theater presents Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol The tale of a miserly man who comes to realize the true spirit of Christmas When the story first appeared over 160 years ago Few observed Christmas other than a church Few employers gave workers time off for the holiday And the jolly country celebrations of the past were largely forgotten in the cities But this little story helped transform Christmas from a staid religious holiday into a season of faith, feasting and goodwill that has remained to this very day. Our story opens in the year 1843.
3: Once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. Ebenezer Scrooge was a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, a hard-hearted miser, secret and self-contained, and solitary as an oyster, a morose and lonely man who consorted with nobody but himself. On this evening, the office of Scrooge and Marley was shrouded in cold, bleak, biting weather. External heat and cold had little influence on Scrooge. No warmth could warm. No wintry weather could chill him. No wind that blew was bitterer than he
4: Humbug! Be gone, you miserable little beggars! Take your infernal Christmas carols and get away from my door!
5: So sorry, sir. Merry Merry Christmas, though, sir. And you have a... Bah!
4: And you, nephew, what right have you to be merry? You're poor
6: enough. Christmas? Bah! Humbug! Christmas a humbug, Uncle. <laughs> you don't mean that, I'm sure. What right have you to be dismal about Christmas? You're rich enough. Now, oh, don't be cross, Uncle. What
4: else can I be, Fred, when I live in such a world of fools as this? Merry Christmas. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips would... would be boiled with his own pudding (laughs) and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. (laughs) Keep Christmas in your own way, nephew, and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? (laughs) But you don't keep it, Uncle. Well, let me leave it alone, then. Much good may it do
6: you much good it ever has done you. But Christmas time is a good time, Uncle. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time when men and women open their shut-up hearts freely and think of others as if they really were fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. And therefore, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it.
4: God bless Christmas. You there, Bob Pratchett. Let me hear another sound from you. And you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation.
6: Now, return to your accounting. (laughs) Yes, sir. Don't be angry, Uncle. Come, dine with us for Christmas dinner tomorrow. Kate would love to meet you. Kate?
4: Oh, yes, your wife. Huh. Why did you get married?
6: Because I fell in love, Uncle.
4: Because you fell in love? With a woman as penniless as yourself, Fred?
6: Oh, good afternoon. But you never visited before my marriage. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Very well. Good afternoon. Oh, I'll keep my Christmas humor to the last. So a Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year.
4: Good afternoon. Mr. Cratchit,
7: see my nephew out. Uh, This way, uh, Mr. Fred, and uh,
6: a Merry Christmas to you. And to you and your family, Bob. How was Mrs. Cratchit and your children? and especially your youngest the little lame boy
7: uh, tim sir tiny tim uh, he's getting better uh, thank you for asking merry christmas
4: bah with 15 shillings a week and a wife and family talking about a merry christmas
3: Answer that, Pratchett!
7: Uh, Um,
4: someone to see you. Uh, Mr... Uh, Good day, sir. Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley, my partner, has been dead these seven years. In fact, he died seven years ago this very night. I am Ebenezer Scrooge.
6: Oh, Well, at this festive season, Mr. Scrooge, we seek charity for the poor and destitute. You see, many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Uh, Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts, sir.
4: Are there no prisons?
6: Uh, Plenty of prisons.
4: And the union workhouses, are they still in operation?
6: They are. I I wish I could say they were not. The
4: treadmill and the poor law. Are in full vigor, then? Uh, both very busy, sir. Oh, I was afraid that something had stopped them in their useful course. <laughs> I'm very glad to hear it. Well,
6: they scarcely furnish Christian cheer, Mr. Scrooge. <sighs> A few of us wish to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. We do so now because it is a time when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. So, uh, what should I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, uh, you wish to be anonymous, sir. I wish to be left
4: alone. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I help to support the prisons and workhouses. They cost enough. Let those who are badly off go there. Oh, but many can't go there. Many would rather die. If they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population.
6: I see. So the firm of Scrooge and Marley declines. It's enough
4: for a man to understand his own business and not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly.
6: Good evening, then.
2: Very well. You have made your views
6: quite clear. Good evening to you, sir.
4: <coughs> Humbug.
7: Mr. Scrooge, it's... it's seven o'clock, sir, and... and it is Christmas
4: Eve. So? Oh, I suppose you want all day tomorrow, eh, Mr. Cratchit? Uh, if it's quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient, and it's not fair. If I were to dock you half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, and yet you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. Tis but once a year, sir. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Huh. Well, be here all the earlier the next morning, Mr. Cratchit. Oh, I-, I will, sir. Uh, thank you. And uh, uh,
7: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas? Indeed. Bah!
3: Scrooge took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern and walked home through the rolling fog and bitter cold. He silently passed the urchins crowded around the fires in the street, trying to keep The icy Scrooge trudged along through the dark streets, but just as he reached the door of his dismal house, he thought he heard something calling,
8: Ebenezer Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge.
3: It was the voice of his long-dead partner, Jacob Marley. Whose ghostly face appeared on the door knocker. Scrooge hurried inside, closed the door, and locked himself in. He double-locked himself in. He checked the sitting room, bedroom, lumber room, all as they should be. Nobody under the table, nobody under the sofa, nobody under the bed, Nobody in the closet, secured against surprise. Scrooge put on his dressing gown and nightcap and sat down before the fire to take his gruel. When suddenly.
4: What? What is it? Every bell in the house must be ringing. What in the. Nonsense. Humbug. It's all humbug. I had. What? What's that? Someone's in the cellar. But the doors are locked. Double locked. Something is coming. Up the stairs. Closer It's outside my door. It's humbug! I won't believe it's humbug I say! Ebenezer Oh no! What? What do you want with me?
9: Who, who are you?
8: In life, I, I was, was your, your partner, partner, Jacob, Jacob Marley. Marley. You don't believe in me, Scrooge? Why,
4: Why do you doubt your senses? Uh, a, a disorder of the stomach makes them cheats. You're, you're not a ghost. You're just a bit of bad beef, a blot of mustard, a fragment of an underdone potato. Ha! There's more of gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. Hum. Humbug, I tell you! Humbug! <laughs> Mercy! I believe you. I believe you. I must. Oh, dreadful apparition! Why do you trouble me? Why do spirits walk the earth? Why come to me?
8: It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk among all his fellow men. If that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death, doomed to honor the world and witness what it cannot share, but might have shared and
4: turned to happiness. You are fettered, Jacob. Tell me why.
8: I wear the chain I forged in life, link by link, yard by yard. I am chained by cash boxes, keys, headlocks, litters. Witness the weight and length of strong chain you bear yourself, Scrooge.
4: It is a ponderous chain. I see no chain. You shall,
8: on the day of your death, mark me in life.
4: My spirit
8: never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing hole. So, (laughs) now, I'm doomed to wander without rest or peace. No regret can make amends. For one, one life's, life's opportunity misused.
4: But you were always a good man of business. Business? Business? Mankind was my business.
8: The common
1: welfare was my business. Charity, mercy,
8: forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. Oh, and it is at this time of the rolling year
4: that I suffer most. I'm... I'm sorry for you, Jacob. Is there anything I can do? For me, it is too late.
8: But I have come to warn you of a hope and chance of escaping my fate. You will be haunted by three spirits. Expect the first
1: tomorrow when the bell tolls one.
8: The second the, the next night, night at the, the same, same hour. The third upon the next night at the last stroke, stroke of 12. twelve. Without their visits, you, you cannot hope to shun the path that I tread. Ebenezer, oh! oh! look out oh, this, this window, oh, that poor oh, woman. On the doorstep below. Look that you Would may you see, see for your own sake.
4: Ghosts. Hundred. Shame. Just like yourself. They surround the woman. But they're not hunting her, they're pleading. Doesn't she see them? Why do these ghosts lament, Jacob? Why do they wail? They seem to, to aid her. They seek
8: to do good in human matters, but have lost their power for ever. They wail in unceasing torture and remorse. Beware this cruel fate, Ebenezer! Beware! Beware! Beware!
3: Scrooge awoke. He was lying on his bed still in his robe was Marley's visit a dream or not he decided it was a dream and nothing more but suddenly the curtains of his bed were drawn aside and Scrooge found himself face to face with an unearthly visitor who drew them it was a strange figure Like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man.
10: Ebenezer Scrooge. Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? Your past. I come for your welfare. Rise and walk with me.
4: Out the window? For I'm mortal and liable to fall.
10: Bear but a touch of my hand on your heart, and you shall be upheld in more than this.
3: As the words were spoken, they passed through the wall and stood upon an open country road with fields on either hand. A little market town appeared in the distance, with its bridge, its church, and winding river. It was a clear, cold winter day, with snow upon the ground.
10: Do you recognize this place, Scrooge?
4: Good heaven! I was bred at this place. I was a boy here. Look! And that couch going by! My schoolmates! Charles and John! They're on the Norfolk coach, uh, taking them home for the Christmas holiday. Hello, Johnny, it's me, Ebenezer!
10: Wait, these are but shadows of the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. Come
4: (sighs) Why, it's my old schoolhouse. But it wasn't a place of learning, more like a prison.
10: On Christmas Eve, the school is not quite deserted. A solitary child, neglected by his friends, is left there still. A lonely boy, reading beside a feeble fire. Do you know him? (laughs) Yes,
4: I know, I am that child, alone, my only companions were my books, Alibaba, Robinson Crusoe, oh, poor boy, oh, I, I wish, but it's too late now.
10: What is the matter? Oh, nothing.
4: There were children singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should like to have given them something,
10: that's all. Let us see another Christmas. Come.
4: Why, it's me! Years later. But still away at this dismal school. Alone on Christmas.
9: Ebenezer! Ebenezer! (gasps) It's Fan! My sister! My beloved Fan! Dear, dear brother, I've come to bring you home. Yes, home. Home. Forever and ever. Father is so much kinder than he used to be. That's home like heaven. We're to be together all Christmas long and have the merriest time in the world. Come with me.
5: Let us go.
10: Your sister was always a delicate creature, whom a breath might have withered. But she had a large heart. She died a woman, but had, as I think, children.
4: One child. My nephew, Fred. Oh, my, how he does resemble his mother...
10: Come to another Christmas past. A celebration.
9: Fezziwig's warehouse.
4: I-, I apprenticed here. What? It's old Fezziwig. Bless his heart. It's Fezziwig. I'm alive again. One of his Christmas parties. yo oh, there. Ebenezer, Dick, (laughs) no more work tonight,
3: Christmas Eve, (laughs) join in the festivities, Merry Christmas all, come and dance,
10: do you recognize yourself Scrooge, a young man with a twinkle in your eye and a future before you, You you're quite enjoying yourself,
4: oh it was a marvellous party, with cake and punch and cold roast and mince pies and plenty of beer. Oh, look at old Fezziwig, how he dances. Oh, it's glorious. Oh, what a jolly time we used to have.
10: It was a small matter for old Fezziwig to make these silly folks so full of gratitude.
4: Small matter?
10: Small indeed. He has only spent a few pounds of your immortal money. And look, is it so much that he deserves his praise?
4: It isn't that. It isn't that, Spirit. Fezziwig has the power to render us happy or unhappy. To make our service light or burdensome. A pleasure or a toil. The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it cost a... a... a fortune.
10: What? Is something bothering you, Scrooge?
4: No, no. I should like to say a word or two to my clerk, Bob Cratchit, just now.
10: Scrooge, my time grows short. Quick. Several years later...
4: Oh, Belle, as beautiful as ever.
10: A penniless girl who loved you, Scrooge.
4: And I her. It didn't matter that she had no dowry. We were so happy together.
10: Until your career with Jacob Marla came between you. As you gained, so you lost. Do you see yourself... You're older now. A man in the prime of life. Your face has begun to wear the signs of care and avarice. Your eyes are greedy. The eager, restless eyes of a miser.
4: No, no, no. Spare me this, not this spirit, no.
5: music box. It's a beautiful gift, Ebenezer. But I realize I matter little to you. Very little. To protect yourself from a hard and cruel world, you have become hard and cruel in response. I have tried to cheer and comfort you, but another idol has displaced me.
6: What idol could ever displace you, Belle?
5: You now worship a golden idol. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one. Oh, Ebenezer, you've become another man.
6: I wanted security, success, for you, Belle.
5: I seek tenderness, not riches. Therefore, even though it is Christmas, I, I release you from our engagement with a full heart for the love of him you once were. No. No, <laughs> Bell. Don't. Don't. Dear Ebenezer, may you be happy in the life that you have chosen.
6: <laughs> Belle.
4: No. Spirit, show me no more. Why do you torture me? (laughs) Remove me. I cannot bear it. Haunt me no longer.
9: No longer. No longer.
3: The whole scene disappeared. And Scrooge found himself, once more, alone, back upon his bed. He drifted off to sleep, only to be awakened, again, by the stroke of one. He gradually noticed a great blaze of ruddy light, glowing from beneath the door. Something was in the outer room.
9: Come in, Ebenezer Scrooge. Come in.
3: (laughs) Scrooge opened the door and beheld his own sitting room transformed. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove. Around the blazing fire lay a feast of meats and fruits and seething bowls of punch. And there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see. She bore a glowing torch, shaped like plenty's horn, and held it up, high up, to shed its light on Scrooge as he came peeping round the door.
9: Know me better, man I am the ghost of Christmas present You've never seen the like of me before
4: (laughs) Spirit, conduct me where you will I went forth last night on compulsion And learnt a lesson which is working now Tonight, if you have ought to teach me Let me profit by it
9: (laughs) Very well Touch my robe.
3: And instantly, they were transported to the streets of London on a bright Christmas day. The shops were bustling, with jolly people completing their errands or returning from church. The grocers, the poultry and fruit shops, all were busy and all a delight. Presently, Scrooge and the Spirit came to Camden Town, to a humble house on a humble street.
4: This is the home of my clerk, Bob Cratchit, his wife and six children. Why are we here, Spirit?
11: (laughs) What has ever got your precious father, then? And your brother, Tiny Tim?
5: But here's Martha, Mother. Hurrah! Sorry I'm late, Mother. We had a deal of work to finish up last night and to clear away this morning. Well,
11: never mind. So long as you are come, sit ye down by the fire, my dear, and have a warm. Lord bless ye.
5: No! Father's coming! Hide, Martha, hide! Father, Father!
9: Father, Father! Father, Father! father.
4: Ah,
7: Peggy, Belinda, Frederick, Harriet. Why, where's our Martha?
11: Not coming. Not coming?
7: Not coming upon Christmas Day? Here I am, Father. (laughs)
11: Merry Christmas. How did little Tim behave at church, Bob?
7: As good as gold, Mother. And better, eh, Tim? (laughs)
6: They sang, "I was so nice, Mother." I hope the people saw me in church, (coughs) because I'm a cripple, and it might be pleasant for them to remember on Christmas who made lame beggars walk and blind men see.
7: Bless you, my son. See, mother, his heart is strong and and he will get better. I know... Oh,
6: let's play a game. Father, play the memory game with
9: us. Please, please. Yes, and then we'll sing some songs and...
6: Oh, look! (coughs) Oh, smell that goose. Hurrah, look, look. There was never such goose, never.
9: (laughs) (laughs) Eat it.
6: all right be seated
11: here you go take your turn now there's plenty of stuffing potatoes and plum pudding for all of you Martha, sit next to tiny tim make sure he eats plenty he must get strong and well if anything should happen to him I don't. oh mother don't even think that I'll see that he eats well. I
7: hate him. <laughs> Quiet, please, quiet. Such a feast requires a, a Merry Christmas to us all. God bless us.
9: God bless us. 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 <laughs> God bless us. <laughs> God bless us. <laughs> God bless us. <laughs> Everyone.
4: Tell me, spirit. Tell me if Tiny Tim will live.
9: I see a vacant seat by the chimney and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No! No! Oh, no, kind
4: spirit. Say he will be spared.
9: Why? Why? If he be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population.
4: You use my own words against me?
9: Yes. Perhaps in the future, you will hold your tongue until you have discovered what the surplus population is and where it is. It may be That in the sight of heaven, you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. Here's the punch. Steaming hot. Take your turn. There's enough for a toast. And one after that. A toast, a toast, a toast to Christmas. Here.
7: I would like to propose a toast To Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. To Mr. Scrooge.
11: The founder of the feast, indeed. I wish I had Mr. Scrooge here. I gave him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for
7: it. My dear, it's Christmas Day.
11: I'll drink his health for your sake and the days. Not for his. Long life to him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. Come, Ebenezer, come.
4: Ah, my nephew, Fred, and his wife, Kate, and their many hungry friends.
6: (laughs) And then he said... Christmas was a humbug, as I live. And he believed it, too.
9: (laughs) More shame for him, Fred. Oh,
6: Oh, he's a comical old fellow. That's the truth. And not so pleasant as he might be. However, his offenses carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him.
9: I'm sure he is very rich. At least you always tell me so.
6: (laughs) But what of that, my dear wife? His wealth is of no use to him. He doesn't make himself comfortable with it.
11: I have no patience with well, him. Well, I
6: have. I'm sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims? Himself. Always. I mean to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not.
11: Enough of him. Let's play the game of yes and no. Think of something, dear husband, and we have to find out what.
6: Mm. All right. Quick now, ask away. Vegetable? No. Animal? Yes.
11: A friendly animal?
6: No. Disagreeable? <laughs> yes.
11: Savage? Yes! Grunts and growls? Talks?
6: Um, yes to both, sometimes.
11: Hmm. Lives in London? In a menagerie?
6: Yes and no. <laughs>
11: Walks the street?
6: Oh, yes. Horse? No, no, no. Then it's a bull. Tiger. No! A bear? No, but almost.
0: I found it out, Fred. I know what it is.
6: <clears throat> you do? What is it?
0: It's. your Uncle. Scrooge.
6: <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, he has given us plenty of merriment, I'm sure. And it would be ungrateful not to drink his health. Here is a glass of mulled wine ready to our hand at the moment. So here. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man, whatever he is. He wouldn't take it from me, but he may have it just the same. To Uncle Scrooge.
4: To Dis- Uncle Scrooge. <laughs>
9: come, Ebenezer, there is much more to see. Men who keep Christmas in their hearts,
10: come,
3: Much they saw, and far they went, and many homes they visited, but always with a happy end. The spirits stood beside sick beds, and they were cheerful. On foreign lands, and they were close at home. By poverty, and it was rich. In noms' house, hospital, and jail, in miseries every refuge. The spirit of Christmas left her blessing and taught Scrooge as she went. At last, they returned to the streets of London for the spirit's final lesson. But the spirit had aged.
9: My life upon this globe is very brief. My time with you, Ebenezer, is almost done. Have you gained, by what I have shown you, of the good in most men's hearts?
4: Uh, I I don't know. How can I promise? Perhaps I'm too old to change.
9: If it is too hard a lesson to learn, then look upon these. Look here, (laughs) beside me. What? What?
4: Two frightful, hideous, miserable children. Yellow, meager, scowling spirit.
9: Are they, are they your... They are man's children. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both and all of their degree. But most of all, beware this boy. For on his brow I see that written which is doom. Unless the writing be erased without the spirit of Christmas to comfort them. Narrow puritanism and greed... Would release these wretched beings upon the world.
4: But, Spirit,
9: have they no refuge or resource? Are there no workhouses? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Are there no prisons?
3: And with that, the ghost of Christmas present dissolved into the mist, and Scrooge stood alone upon the street. As the last stroke of midnight rang, Scrooge remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley, and lifting his eyes, he beheld the third spirit, a solemn phantom. Shrouded in black, draped and hooded, coming like a mist along the ground towards him.
4: I am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas, yet to come. Yes! You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not yet happened, but will happen. Spirit, will you not speak to me? No! Oh, ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I've seen. But as I know your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, lead on. The night is waning fast. And it is precious time to me lead on.
8: When did you first
4: hear: Why? It's my custom corner at the Royal Exchange among the merchants. And here are my fellow businessmen, as I have seen them often. Well,
8: I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. Well. Old Scratch has got his own at last, eh? So I'm told. Oh, what's he done with his money? His company, perhaps. He hasn't left it to me. <laughs> That's all I know.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's likely to have a very cheap funeral. For upon my life,
8: I don't know anybody to go to it. <laughs> I don't mind going, if a lunch is provided. <laughs>
4: Spirit, why show me this trivial conversation... They can't be discussing the death of my old partner. Jacob, is there some hidden purpose? Where is my own shadow? Wait. I expect the conduct of my future self to provide some latent moral for my own improvement. I have been resolving a change of life, and I hope you can show me my newborn resolutions being carried out here. Oh, what obscure part of the town are we in now, spirit? This whole quarter reeks with crime, with filth, and misery. Why bring me to this low-browed beetling hovel? A rag and bottle shop. Who are these grotesque people?
9: Look here, old Joe. Let the charwoman be the first. Let the laundress be second. And let the undertaker's man be third.
7: Ah, oh, then. What have you got to sell? What have you got to sell?
9: Who's the worse for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead
11: man, I suppose. Now, Indeed. If he wanted to keep him after he was dead, the wicked old screw. Why wasn't he natural in his Mrs. lifetime?
9: Tilber.
11: Well, if he had a been, he'd have had somebody to look after him when he was struck with death, instead of lying there, gasping out his last, alone, by himself.
7: Tis the truest words I have ever spoke. It's a judgment on him, it is. Huh? Oh, oh. What's this? Bed curtains? Ah, <laughs> yes. Bed curtains! You don't mean to say you took them down. Rings and all with him lying there.
9: Uh, Why not? Don't drop that oil upon the blankets now.
7: His blankets too?
9: And this fine shirt. It's the best he had. They'd have wasted it by dressing him up. If it hadn't been for me.
4: (laughs) Oh, spirit, I see, I see. The case of this unhappy man might be my own. My life tends that way now. What is this dark, empty house? A bare, uncurtained bed. The shrouded body of this plundered, unknown man. He lay here with no one to say. He was kind to me. And for the memory of one kind word, I will be kind to him. Spirit, you point to the head of this corpse. You wish me to remove the cover? Spirit, this is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave its lesson. Trust me. Let us go. I understand you. And I would do it if I could. But I have not the power, Spirit. I have not the power. No! Oh, let me see some tenderness connected with a death, or this dark chamber will be forever present to me. Spirit! Once more we are at the home of Bob Cratchit. But it is different, so quiet. What is it, Spirit? What kind of Christmas is this?
9: And he took a child, and set him in the middle of them, and answered, I say unto you that none but those who are as humble as little children shall enter into heaven. Whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name, Stop
11: receive me. Stop, Peggy! Stop reading! Oh, my son! My son!
5: Tiny Tim! (laughs) Mother, please don't cry. Father will be home soon. Don't let him know that you've been crying. (laughs) He's late tonight, Martha. When he had tiny
11: Tim on his shoulder, he would walk very fast. Very fast indeed. (laughs) But the child was light to carry... And father loved him so. It was no trouble. No trouble at all.
6: (laughs) Here's father now.
7: Sorry I'm late, mother. I I wish you could have gone. It, It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. But you'll see it often. I I promised, I promised Tim that, that we'd walk there on, on Sundays. Oh, Bob. little child, my my little, little child.
4: Spectre. Something informs me that our parting moment is at hand. Tell me what man was that whom we saw lying dead? Spirit, where are we now? for heaven a dismal ruinous churchyard. Desolate, lonely, crumbling graves. Here, here then is the wretched man. He lay underneath the ground, this grave. Before I draw near to that stone, tell me, spirit, are these the shadows of things that will be? Or are they the shadows of things that may be only? Spirit, that gravestone, what is written upon it? Wait. The like They teach, I pray, please, spirit, that I may sponge away the writing on this stone. I beg you, I'll change, I'll change, I pray, I pray. I'll change, I'll change, please, please, I'll change. What's this? My, my bedpost. I'm, I'm home, in my own bed, in my own room. Oh, Jacob Marley! Heaven and the Christmas time be praised. <laughs> I, I don't know what day of the month it is. <laughs> I don't know how long I've been among the spirits. I don't know anything. (laughs) I'm as light as a feather, as happy as an angel, as merry as a schoolboy, as giddy as a drunken man. Oh, glorious light, fresh air. Oh, the window.
9: Merry! Ma- uh, Merry!
4: Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas!
9: And a Happy New Year, sir!
4: Boy! Uh, boy! Boy! Uh, what's today? What day is it, my fine fellow?
11: <laughs> today?
9: Why, it's Christmas Day, sir! Christmas Day? <gasps> I haven't missed
4: it. The spirits have done it all in one night. <laughs> oh, boy, do you know the poulterers in the next street at the corner? I should hope I did. Do you know whether they've sold a prize turkey that was hanging up there?
5: What? The one as big as me? It's hanging there
9: now.
4: Is it? Is it? Well, go and buy it. Go and buy it and tell him to bring it here that I may give a family a surprise that they've never had before.
3: Scrooge sent the boy to buy the prize turkey and have it delivered to the Cratchit family as an anonymous gift. Then the new Ebenezer Scrooge dressed himself all in his best and got out into the streets of London. By this time, people were pouring forth and Scrooge regarded all with a delighted smile and a hearty holiday greeting.
4: Merry Christmas! Oh, happy
7: Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry
3: Christmas!
9: Merry Christmas!
3: By mere chance, Scrooge came upon the charity seeker he had dismissed yesterday, but today he apologized and made a large donation to his worthy cause, with many back payments included. He went to church, walked about the streets, watched the people hurrying to and fro. He patted children on the head, questioned beggars, and found that everything could yield him pleasure. He had never dreamed that any walk... That anything could give him so much happiness. In the afternoon, he turned his steps to the door of his nephew, Fred, who was in the midst of Christmas dinner with his wife and their many hungry friends.
6: Uncle Ebenezer? Why, I can't believe you're really here at my home. On Christmas. I come
4: to beg your pardon, Fred, for the things I said about Christmas.
6: That was a humbug. Was it? Well, I... I don't know what to say. Do come in. Um, may I present my wife, Kate? Uncle
11: Ebenezer, I never expected this of you.
6: Oh, Kate...
4: Can you forgive an old fool? And God forgive me
6: for the time I've wasted? Well, join the feast, Uncle. Set another place at the table. Here, here, I propose a toast. A toast to Uncle Scrooge.
3: And so. Ebenezer Scrooge rejoined his family and rejoined the family of man. The next morning, he was early at the office. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late, that was the thing he set his heart upon. And was Bob ever late? The clock had struck nine. No Bob. Quarter past. No Bob. Finally
4: Mr Cratchit <laughs> What do you mean by coming in at this time of day?
7: Uh, I'm very sorry, sir. I, I, I'm behind my time. It shall not be repeated. I'm I
4: was making rather merry yesterday, sir. Bob Cratchit! I'll not stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, therefore, I am about to raise your salary. <laughs> oh, please, sir, you're... You're...
7: You're going to raise my... my, my, my salary,
4: but... but, but, but sir... Have... <laughs> Wait. No, Bob. I've not lost my senses. I've come to them. A merry Christmas, Bob. A merrier Christmas than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family. We will discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop. Bob... Merry Christmas!
3: (laughs) Scrooge was better than his word. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city ever knew. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he became a second father. And it was always said that Ebenezer Scrooge knew how to keep Christmas well. May that be truly said of us, all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed...
6: God bless us, everyone!
2: (laughs) You have been listening to Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, featuring Michael Dick as Ebenezer Scrooge, Bob Telfer as the narrator, Bill Tye as Marley's ghost... Norm McLeod as the First Spirit, Jan Holt as the Second Spirit, and Oliver DiGiorgio as Young Scrooge and Nephew Fred. Also featured were Alex Tomasowski, Keith Burnett, Noelle Dupuy, Laura Van Veen, Alexandra Poole, Pat Goff, Hope O'Brien, Shanessa Harris, Burke Bashar, and Celeste Dupuy as Tiny Tim. The audio script was written by Anthony Palermo and adapted for Voices in the Wind Audio Theatre by George Zar. The production was directed by George Zar and Noel Dupuis. Music by Anthony Palermo. A Christmas Carol Audio Production was recorded, mixed, and mastered by Design Sound Productions, Chatham, Ontario.
1: And that was A Christmas Carol by Voices in the Wind Theatre, Voicesinthewind.ca Things are completely different going back to our regular sort of programming next week. Uh, In the meantime, don't miss some excellent shows on bbc's iplayer uh dirk mag's good omens is out uh fan freaking tastic don't miss it the bbc iplayer i'll put links with our show notes as well um in the meantime like i mentioned hundreds of hours of programming at our archives radio drum Revival.com. we've just hit 400 episodes uh we've got an app look for radio drum revival on the itunes or android store uh, you can also find our podcast on itunes or stitcher or soundcloud on facebook facebook.com forward slash radio drama revival on twitter at radio drama you can drop me an email leave feedback anytime at fred at radio uh, if you like what you hear this is a free fan supported show uh, check out radio revival.com and hit support to make a donation really appreciate those especially uh, small recurring donations uh, give us sort of predictable Uh, (laughs) means to keep the bills paid each one so thank you so much Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly Fred Greenhalgh our submissions editors are Monique and Matthew Boudreau of Oral Stage Studios copyright of all individual productions remains their original producers but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like Radio Drama Revival is a production of Radio Drama Revival LLC and is podcast at radiodramarevival.com with a labor of love till next time keep your mind and your ears open thanks for tuning in and have a great week